Hey there, all you people of God. It's great to be back with you, and I'm so happy to be able to share this message with you. It's it's going to be so great. I'm excited. This is this is um something that's very near and dear to my heart. But as always, take the time to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Um, and thank you. Thank you for making it possible to get this in front of so many people. Um, many people wouldn't hear this without your help. So thank you very much. Today, I'm going to be talking about dealing with our past um, and God's way of setting us free and how we often walk without freedom because we continue to operate in our flesh, our um, ungodly desire. But praise God, because he has showed us a clear path, a clear path forward. I'm going to be covering this and more, so don't go anywhere. We will be the ones to see it through, and everything lost will be renewed. Long ago in the garden, it was to be. Now a dream fulfilled in you and me. I want to be a son who abides in the Father's house forever. Not a slave who is removed from the house when I'm no longer needed, capable, or worthy. (laughs) Jesus talked about that. He said that a, a son abides in the house forever. And he used that in the context of we can choose, in the context of choosing to live in sin, a choosing because we can become a slave to it. But if you are set free by the Son, then you're free indeed. So these are some of the thoughts, some of the ideas that I'm going to be getting into today. Um, So in that that regard, what's the process of growing as a son? Because we know in the scriptures it talks about it. It says says that um, even though he's the master of it all, he, he differs little from a slave while he's young. So in the early stages of being a son of God, as you're being developed, you're born into the kingdom. You're born again. You are now a son who's an heir to the father. But you're not going to look very much different from a servant, from from someone who is going through, um, who is ordered to, to live a certain way, but may not necessarily have the desire, may not have the relationship. Now, I, you know, I don't like to, I don't want to get distracted with this too much, but I do think that there there's a misunderstanding in Christianity. Being a servant, it's not always put in a bad context. Being a servant to God in many times is not, there's not a crossover. They're two separate ways of describing some different aspects of our relationship with God. So be aware when you're reading the scriptures, don't think that just because a servant um, is talked about that that's a bad thing. Oftentimes, that terminology is used to describe us in a good way, in an attribute of how we should be in relationship with God. So don't don't confuse that. But when he talks about the the comparison of being a servant versus a son, the comparison is very clear. It's showing us that a son is the purpose that God has for us, not to be slaves. His purpose is not that we are slaves. So understand that. Get that. Don't confuse that because that does. There are verses that we need to understand. I'm not going to go into those verses today, but you have to recognize that being a servant is not always bad. Okay. That being said, in this situation, servant contrasting with a son, the difference is a son will inherit. So you're not going to be very different from a servant in the early stages of development, but it changes because all that the father has, all that he has will be given to his son, his son's will inherit. And while I'm on that, let me just say this. Um, 
in the kingdom of God, there's neither male nor female. So if you're a woman and you are born again, you are a son of God in the sense of inheritance. Because in some cultures and in, in different history, um, there are many times when, when the, the daughters didn't inherit and didn't have the same inheritance. God is clearly teaching us in the scriptures that there, I, I as a man don't get, have a better inheritance than you as a woman. So I want you to understand that. So you are inheriting God just as much as me. Praise the Lord. I love that. That's exciting. Don't get confused with that type of terminology. Oh, he's talking about men. No, these these are the people of God who are redeemed and bought by Jesus Christ in his blood. You are an inheritor. doesn't matter whether you were born um, as a poor, as a rich, or as anything, man or woman, doesn't matter your circumstances, you inherit the kingdom of God. This is wonderful. Um, <laughs> so, you're not going to differ that much. Understanding that, that God wants us to, to learn, to grow, to submit to his hand, because there are times when our minds are still childish. Our spirits have not connected fully to God in, in that sense. We are, we are living by the dictates of our carnal nature, our ungodly desires, our flesh. God wants us to submit to his spirit so that we can grow up unto him because as we submit to that we become <clears throat> excuse me we become empowered by that spiritual transformation that makes us capable of administering the kingdom of god the purposes of our father and i've said it before i'll say it again god's will cannot be accomplished without our obedience I've been saying it like this because I want this to get into our heads. God's will cannot be accomplished without our obedience. It's not something that's going to happen, Just and we have a choice to participate. I know that sounds good, and I like to use that because there are lots of things that, that I do have a choice to participate in or not, and God's still going to accomplish many things, whether I personally do or not. But God's will is that we obey. His desire is for us to obey because he created us to rule, to have dominion over the earth and over, over his creation. He put, he created us to be that, to administer that. So God's will is that we obey. So his will is not going to be accomplished without us, right? If I, if we just choose to not participate, then is his will that we obey can't happen. Does God get any joy from seeing his creation fail? without any hope of success, because that's what the world looks like. That's what life outside of God looks like. But the blood of Christ gives us this access to where instead of failing and failing and failing and just, you know, wanting, even desiring, because sometimes that we do recognize our need. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But does God get any joy out of seeing that? No, he doesn't. That's not his joy. His joy is when he sees his creation submitting to the what to the ways that he um, has taught us, the way that he speaks to us, because he teaches us what is best. God didn't just arbitrarily make up a bunch of rules. He never has been. That's never been God's heart. God's heart is that you obey, not because he wants to be a dictator and tell you what to do, but because he knows that that's the only way. He's teaching us the best. He's giving us opportunity for the best, not just because he said it. Now, that, that I know that's a little bit different way of describing it. I don't want to get caught up on that right now, but I do want you to see that. Recognize that God's ways are not just arbitrary. They aren't. They are absolutely the best. So 
God's calling us forward. Well, I didn't answer the question. <laughs> didn't answer the question. No, God doesn't get any joy. He doesn't get any joy from seeing us fail. That's why he's so interested in us. That's why he's so interested in working with us and dealing with um, our way of thinking and our brokenness and healing us. He's so sweet, so kind, so gentle, and so loving, and so compassionate. I want to submit to that God. I want to follow after that God because he shows us, because he first loved me. And so I want to love him with all my heart because of that. Hallelujah. So God is calling us forward. He doesn't desire that we focus on our past. That's never been his desire. I've said it like this many times. God doesn't get hung up on our mistakes. We're the ones who get hung up on our mistakes. If you actually look throughout the, the scriptures, you can see this again and again, that God is about tomorrow. He's about fixing today so that we can have better tomorrow. He's never been hung up on our mistakes. Our mistakes are what we get hung up on. And so we focus on them and it destroys us. And you know, to me, this is so important that we understand the character of God, the nature of God on this. He wants you to recognize that his love doesn't care about the mistakes. He cares what the mistakes do to us. Understand that. The choices that we live, the mistakes that we make, the sins that we commit are not about God being so upset about that. He just knows that they destroy us. They are wicked. They are evil. They are destructive. And that is a choice to be in rebellion. To we can that's, God cannot have that with him. It's impossible. Rebellion is running away from him. We are not coming towards him. Rebellion destroys us, and God's only interested and only capable of working and op operating inside of his will. That is that we obey him, that we follow him, that we walk in the, the, the um, intention of his creation for us. And so, yes, I know we can get theologically into the, the how, you know, God is perfect and, ha and no evil. He can not stand and ha have any evil in him. And so the, the, we understand that our evil can't be just put into and loved on by God. He, ha he hates it. I don't want to get off on, on that because I, I understand that. But what I want, to, I want us to, our minds to recognize that it's not that God is hung up on it. It's that we're hung up on it. He doesn't want us to focus on our past and try to fix every time we failed. It's impossible. He wants us to be able to move forward without the impossible weight of the past on our shoulders. That impossible weight, we can't ever actually grow. We can't actually become um, anything because we're trying to fix something that can't be undone. You can't undo it. And even if you could, even if it were possible, to undo the past by some method of paying for our mistakes. There would still be no future because we would use all our remaining life just to fix, just to fix the past mistakes. And that's not even, that doesn't even take into account um, any mistakes that we're going to make moving forward. God, he cared about this. He thought it through. He, he has the plan. He has the purpose in us. He knows that if, there, if that was possible, which it's not, it's actually not. You can't change the past. There are some things that you can sort of help, depending on the type of, of transgression, the type of thing that you've done. Like if you stole from somebody, you can give it back. You can even give them more. And that can to some, some degree make up for it. But it can't actually, especially if it was something that they needed and they didn't have it when they needed it because you took it, you can't actually make up for that. You can't make up for those things that were necessary, the things that were going on. 
And all that can be done is a person can forgive you because you can't fix that. Same way with God. You can't fix the things that you actually did. You might in some regards, and it's good. So when, when you have the ability to make restitution by doing something that is helpful, that, that shows the heart, the God, the, the work that God has done in your heart, and it shows out in some way, that's fantastic. But it doesn't fix it. It doesn't undo it. So the past can't be, you can't choose what to do in the past because you already made that choice. It's already done. Again, this doesn't take into account any, any other additional mistakes. This is just, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have done this. All of us are living in that place where if we were to spend our life trying to fix it, we would waste the rest of our life trying to fix it. So God has made something else. He made something possible. He made it possible for us to live unto him by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we now have this power. His blood covers us. The freedom that his grace offers us to be delivered from our past shame from our past failure and our past slavery is designed to let us live a life that accomplishes his purposes, God's purposes on earth that he made for humanity. That's the beauty of it. God wants us to live unto him. He doesn't want us to, to focus on the past and worry about the past mistakes. He also doesn't want us to forget that the slavery of those choices and living like that can come right back on top of you. And I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. Um, but his, he wants us to live so that we can accomplish his purposes on the earth. He made us to do things, good works prepared for us from the foundation of the earth. This is the plan of God for us to be able to live and do these things. Now, I've been in the middle of a series with content from the Feast of Tabernacles, and I shared out of Romans on this topic, so I'm going to go straight into that video now. And God, <laughs> because he designed the world and he desires us and like I said the other day, his will cannot be completed without our obedience because his will is that we obey. His will is that we obey. He will not be, he will not be completed and he will not be satisfied unless we obey. And so his will will be accomplished and therefore we must obey. But God started in this feast, he started bringing out things being broken off. Lifelong bondages, things that have been controlling forces. That's one thing that he brought out at the beginning. And it wasn't just for our brother Greg. God is speaking that in many different ways. And I want to share a little bit of testimony. When I was, when I was a teenager... There's a point in my life where I, I failed, and I knew that I had failed. And I'd been serving the Lord. I got baptized when I was 12. And I'd been serving the Lord, and I'd been getting steadily stronger, steadily growing in my desire for Him. And then I failed. And I knew it. And there was something else that came in. There was a lie that came in that disguised the one simple thing that God wanted to do. And so I spent a year of my life trying to change that day. But the past can't be chosen. Chosen. I said chosen. I used that word on purpose. <laughs> the past cannot be chosen. 
We spend our mind thinking about it over and over and over again of what our choices would be, but the past can't be chosen. It's a waste of time on that level unless you're learning something. And most of the time we're not. Most of the time we're delving further and further into something that is a lie. So I want to read this. This is, this is lyrics from a song that actually got me out of that. It says, it's hard to say all I want to say to you. I guess it's now or never. I spent one year away trying to change a day, but the past cannot be chosen. I've seen days turn into weeks. I could last a little longer. I know you can hear the anguish in my heart. I want to know. I want to know. I need you now. I need to feel. I need to feel you. I want you around. I want to cry. I want to cry. Come touch me now. I want to know. I want to know for the first time. I know your love for the first time. It's hard to say why some things don't ever hurt, but other wounds just grow deeper. Why could I not die, yet others just fade away? Still, I live to keep on breathing. I need peace to wipe away these tears, to revive in me a new joy. Only you can bring the healing in me right now. I want to know. I want to know. I need you now. I need to feel. I need to feel you. I want you around. I want to cry. I want to cry. Come touch me now. I know. I know for the first time. I know your love for the first time. Now, I remember when I heard that, that, those lyrics, the truth came out, came, to, came into my mind. And what, what took a year of me pondering and, and contemplating and trying to change a single day ended. <laughs> you can't go back, you can only go forward. So what do we do about all those things? <laughs> what do we do about all those things? Jesus said this in John, 31, John 8, 31. He said, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. I never quite understood that line, what they were thinking when they said that, because they'd been in bondage quite a few times. I went back and counted up some of them. So obviously, they don't know. He said the truth will set them free, and they are obviously not understanding. So he says, How can you say you will be, how can you say, this, they said to him, How can you say that we will be made free? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son has set you free, then you are truly free. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus said. But again, he says, if you sin, you are a slave to sin. So how do we deal with all this? Because I believe that, that there are some people here tonight that are dealing with this. They're dealing with things that have controlled their minds, that have controlled their thoughts and kept them buried and not truly free. 
and God's dealing with those things. And there may be some people that I don't know, but I do know that God's put some people in my heart. Romans 7, verse 14 says, We know that the law is spiritual and good. The problem is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I actually agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it, as you're in bondage. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. But I can't. I, won't, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me. Remember? Talking about power. He said, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. He's talking about a power. You are a slave to this. It controls you. No matter how much your mind, no matter how much you think about it, you are in, under this controlling force. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is that in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now I'm glad he doesn't stop there. Romans 8.1 says, So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law God gave Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God, God, but God. So God did what the law could never do. He sent his own son who lived in a body just like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this. He did this so that the just, get this, just, the just requirements of the law, they aren't evil, not bad. I agree that they're good. The just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied in us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. For those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit 
Think about things that please the Spirit. So, let your sinful, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Peace from all the turmoil. Peace from all the chaos. Peace from all the confusion. Peace from all the depression. For the sinful nature is always an enemy of God. It never, it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are subject to the Spirit. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. But Christ lives in you. <clears throat> so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. You have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. No! He lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. Thank you! By this same Spirit that lives within you. Therefore, get this, therefore, my brothers, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are the Spirit of God, are the children of God. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't require, doesn't require any preaching. Paul, Paul preached. Go to Romans 6.15. And this is one thing I learned about, about Romans a long time ago. Paul, he's a lawyer, so he, he addresses things in very unique ways, and our brains don't do it the same way. But if you, if you will listen to the book of Romans, you will find that in, in chapters 13, he's, he's dealing with chapter 2 because and, and, and he, he ties it back in the, the way a legal brief would be. It's really confusing unless you understand that stuff, and I don't, so I have to really pay attention. But this is what I find. So Romans 6.15 says, Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? God forbid, of course not. I like this translation. It says, of course not. <laughs> Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Because you've already been set free. You can have the choice. Whatever you choose to obey. You're not, remember, you don't have any obligation. That's what he said in, in 8. It says a little bit later because this is 6. You don't have any obligation to do that. We often 
live as though we're in chapter 7, where we say, I want to do what's right, but I fail. But the truth is, we live in chapter 8. We live in chapter 8 where we don't have to do that. We don't have to become a slave again and again and again. You don't have to. And the cool thing is, if you chose to be a slave today, you can choose to not be a slave again because the freedom is still there. Every single day, you can choose it and not be a slave. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to actual righteous living. And that's such an awesome promise. Such an awesome promise because, like I said the other night, it's truly miserable. And I've talked with friends recently, and I won't embarrass them by saying names, but I've talked with them, and they, and they desire God, and they desire freedom, and they fail, and, that, and Satan wants to overthrow that freedom, wants to overthrow them. It's not the end because you can choose to obey God. You can choose to obey God. You can choose to obey God, which leads to actual righteous living. Actual. Not the miserable, I failed and my life is screwed up and I keep coming back to that and keep coming back to that. Chapter 7. We can live in chapter 8 because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. He lives inside of me. And when I don't submit to that, he's jealous. James says that. He says, when I don't submit to him, to the truth and the reality, he's jealous and he makes me miserable. That's my paraphrasation of James. That's what James says. Go read it though. He says he's jealous. He makes me miserable. Not because God hates me. Not because God is trying to make me feel separated and, and miserable. I separated myself and he's jealous and he's not going to let me stay separated and feel good about it. Because he wants me to be actually with him. He wants me to be actually in his arms and he wants me to be actually righteous. Actually doing the things that are right. Because that is life and peace in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love how in Romans, Paul walks us through the steps of the process of being apart, uh, apart from God, seeing our need of a Savior, and also facing the battle of being controlled by sin and the power that Jesus gave us. <laughs> the wonderful thing that I thank God through Christ Jesus for the power that he gave us to live completely in victory over sin. Now, we have a choice to walk by the power, by the power of God's spirit or walk after our ungodly desires. Walking after the flesh, it leads to death. It always has. It always makes you die. It, the life, being alive, because just, just simply having breath and, and living physically is not even what he's fully talking about. Yes, that's a big part of it because God wants us to actually enjoy that. He wants us to, to accomplish things in this life. But the life that he's talking about is actually being alive, being 
having purpose, having vision, having a, the uh, uh, ability to live without being controlled, without being uh, dominated. So it leads to death. We become dominated. We become controlled. We, we do not have our own life. But when we make our choice, when we make the choice to stand, to walk and follow God's spirit, we are filled with life and peace. His life floods into us. His peace overwhelms us. He gives us complete satisfaction. This is a beautiful, beautiful promise that we can follow God, that we can live unto him because of the power of, of the life-giving spirit of God that lived, that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. And this, this promise, this following after him, following the spirit, this will lead to actual righteous living. We talk about the, the um, righteousness of God being imputed. That's what Jesus did. His, his, his life did that. It imputed this righteousness into us. He did away with the, the, the list of wrongdoings and, and all the things that we failed at. But following him leads to actual righteous living, which is not just an end in and of itself. It's, it's just when you're in that place, you're no longer entangled with wickedness. You're no longer entangled with things that are destroying you, that are, that are bringing you down, that are keeping the presence of God, that are keeping his capability out of you because you're submitting to something else. You're submitting to something and in rebellion to God. <laughs> I love it. I, I, this excites me. This is one of the most important topics of our day, I believe. God, <laughs> God's so jealous for our hearts he will not let us be separated from him. He's so jealous for our hearts that he's not willing to just let us sit there and be okay with not having what he designed us for. His spirit is going to make us miserable. Now, <laughs> I know that a lot of people don't necessarily understand that, but when you're getting closer to God, the farther you're coming with him, you understand what I'm talking about. You don't want to be okay. You don't want to be comfortable because that living a day without the presence, without the anointing of God, it, it is in and of itself miserable. You want God to get your attention as quickly as possible. That's what you want. When you, as you're growing, when you become mature in this, this is not about, oh, well, you know, God wants us miserable. Absolutely. That's not his goal, but you don't want to live that way. Every time we submit to the flesh and live as a slave, <laughs> you know, that's what we want. He won't let me feel okay. He's not going to let me do that because for one thing, I've asked him not to, and I've submitted my life to him and I've said, I don't want to until I'm back in his arms away from my rebellion. That's the goal. That's the purpose. But we want to, we want to act like, oh no, 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 don't, 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 don't make me feel miserable. I want to, I want to enjoy the peace of God. Well, you can't enjoy the peace of God because it's a, it's a made up myth in your mind that you can have the peace of God while living in hell. You can't do it. The hell of separation, the hell of wickedness, the hell of weakness is in control of you. And that will lead to your spiritual death. But he's not going to let that happen because he's his, the spirit inside of us is jealous and it yearns for us. And it's not, it's not going to let us just do that until we're back in his arms. This is, this is the, this is walking in a maturity as a son. You understand this, you realize this, you, you, you yearn for that. Um, every single mistake you're like, 
as quickly as possible, God, as quickly as possible, show me where my heart is not after you so that you can quickly go back to his arms, go back to following after him with, with the purity, with the complete satisfaction of knowing his love. Um, his love never leaves us. He, his love never forsakes us. He will always pursue after us. And we can't be content without it. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's his call. Walk in the spirit. So the spirit of God, he, he constantly is stirring and teaching and speaking to us. Walk after the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's it for today. Live free, my friends. Live free. God bless you. Now a dream fulfilled in you and me. 